Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 10th edition of the 1853 podcast of Monmouth College. I'm Dwayne Bonifer in the Monmouth College Office of Communications and Marketing, and this is the 1853 podcast, a weekly program in which we tell you about the people, events, programs, and history that make Monmouth an outstanding National Liberal Arts College. And we try to get it done in about 18 minutes and 53 seconds. In this 10th edition of the 1853 podcast, we'll chat with Monmouth student Madeline Neal. She's the president of the Alpha chapter of Kappa Kappa Gamma, the women's fraternity, recently celebrated its birthday, and earlier this school year, its members also moved into the chapter's new house on East Broadway. We'll also chat with the recent finalists who competed in the moot court competition here at Monmouth College, and we'll also catch up with women's soccer coach Nick Rizzo. His Fighting Scots begin postseason play this weekend up in Wisconsin at St. Norbert College. This is the Monmouth College 1853 podcast, and I'm Dwayne Bonifer in the Monmouth College Office of Communications and Marketing. Before we visit with this week's guest, I want to tell you about several big events coming up at Monmouth College. Of course, it's homecoming week at Monmouth. Monmouth's 92nd homecoming weekend is this November 3rd through the 5th, and the Monmouth Alumni Office has put together what promises to be an outstanding homecoming weekend. Of course, this year's homecoming includes the 129th edition of the annual Turkey Bowl game between Monmouth and Knox College. That'll be on Saturday. And because it's homecoming, kickoff against Knox College at April Zorn Memorial Stadium won't get underway until 2 o'clock in the afternoon on Saturday. And this Turkey Bowl will be extra special because it will also be part of the fourth annual Midwest Conference Canned Food Challenge. All fans are encouraged to bring a canned good or monetary donation to the game. For more information about Homecoming Weekend, check out the schedule in the alumni section of the Monmouth College website, and that address is monmouthcollege.edu homecoming. We'll have Homecoming Weekend covered for you. It will be all over Monmouth's social media platforms, and a wrap-up story will be posted late Saturday night on the college's website, monmouthcollege.edu. But before we get into Homecoming activities this weekend, We'll have the debut on Thursday, November 2, of a new endowed lecture at Monmouth, the Senkiewicz Lecture on Roman Archaeology. That, of course, is named in honor of Monmouth's own classics professor, Tom Senkiewicz. The title of the first Senkiewicz Lecture on Roman Archaeology will be The Decline and Falls of the Roman Material Economy, or How to Trash Talk Rome. It will be given by Victor Martinez. He's a lecturer in art history at Arkansas State University. That lecture will take place at 7.30 in the evening on Thursday, November 2, in Dahl Chapel and Auditorium. And a reminder that this is your last weekend to see the paintings of Philadelphia artist Al Gurry over in the Lindsay Everett Gallery of Hughes Library. Titled Painting, The Poetry of Observation, the exhibit is on display through Saturday, November 4. So if you're on campus for homecoming this weekend, be sure to check out this great exhibit. And now is the time to get tickets for the next production by Mama's Outstanding Theater Department. Saving Toyland is based on the early 20th century operetta Babes in Toyland by Victor Herbert and Glenn McDonough. Saving Toyland is written and directed by Mama's own theater professor, Ron Zank. It will be performed November 6th through the 19th at Wells Theater. 
For more information and to purchase tickets, check out the theater department's website, which is monmouthcollege.edu slash theater. It's been a busy year for the Alpha chapter of Kappa Kappa Gamma, which is one of Mama's three female fraternities. In April, the new Kappa Kappa Gamma house on East Broadway was dedicated. Earlier this school year, several members moved into the house, and then back on October 13, Kappa Kappa Gamma celebrated its founding at Monmouth College. That's the day back in 1870 when six women marched into chapel wearing keys in their hair with the letters KKG pronouncing themselves as members of a new women's fraternity. A stained glass window in Dahl Chapel and Auditorium commemorates that moment. Since that founding at Monmouth College, Kappa Kappa Gamma has grown to 134 collegiate chapters and nearly 300 alumni associations. Madeline Neal is a business and economics senior at Monmouth from Charlestown, Illinois. She's president this year of the Monmouth chapter of Kappa Kappa Gamma. Madeline says that the new Kappa House has been a most welcome addition. We were able to use it last semester, but then this semester was the first time we were allowed to move in. So seven girls live there now. We have three rooms where there are two girls living in and one room with one girl living in it. Um, so that's really nice. And there's three bathrooms there. Two of them are upstairs, so plenty of space for all the girls. And it's really nice where we have all of our chapter meetings in there too. And it's great to have just a space for all of us to be able to go there. It's something where we're not having our meetings in classrooms anymore. We're able to just go there, have everything set up, and just be surrounded by Kappa. We have all of our awards. We have pictures like in our chapter room. And it's just something really nice when we go there. We're just surrounded by Kappa, and it's just great to just be out of the classrooms and kind of have those two things separate. Madeline became a Kappa her freshman year at Monmouth. While a family member influenced her decision to join the sorority, she said that she was also attracted to the Monmouth chapter's character. Yeah, I went through formal recruitment as a freshman. Um, my cousin was a Kappa at Texas Tech, and she kind of pushed me to go Greek. Um, and then coming through, I just really wanted to go Kappa. Meeting the girls that were in when I was a freshman, they all just really were welcoming and friendly. Madeline says that being a member of Kappa Kappa Gamma has meant a lot to her. And I had 60 girls there supporting me through it all, um, and really just seeing things in yourself that you didn't see before. As Madeline points out, being a member of a sorority offers numerous benefits. I think it was really strong networking opportunities, um, kind of going more on like a business side of things. Um, I know people who have gotten job recommendations who have jobs created for them because they were Greek. Um, and then I also know people who have made stronger like family connections. Um, my cousin, who is a Kappa, we're over 10 years apart. She was at a totally different stage in her life than I was at 18. And it's something where it's brought, like it gave us that bridge. Um, so I think some of the advantages overall are just kind of you get to grow within yourself, you get leadership opportunities that you wouldn't have elsewhere. Um, coming in when I was a freshman, I never expected to be president. I never expected to have three different positions. And it really just kind of broke me out of my shell um, where I was a shy 18-year-old coming into college for the first time. And it was just something that's really pulled me up. Madeline says that community service and philanthropy are also a big part of being a member of Kappa Kappa Gamma. Oh yeah, right now we're involved with WIRE. Um, we adopted that as our community service project. It stands for Western Illinois Animal Rescue. Um, so we picked them up this semester and we've been really excited to start working with them. We've had about three or four um, chapter members now who have been volunteering at WIRE for several years. So now we're really excited. 
a lot of our um, chapter members are local, so they know the people who run the shelter. So they hear from them how appreciative they are that we're helping. And it really gives us a sense of pride in our community because um, we have our national philanthropy too. But I think that one we have close-knit ties to, but this one kind of brings us back home and reminds us that we're in the Mammoth community. Um, and then personally, I'm a big dog lover, so I have two rescue dogs at home, and it's just something really awesome where we're able to help find those animals' homes. Madeline says it also means a lot to her to be a member of the first chapter of Kappa Kappa Gamma. Um, it's something really special, and especially when you have um, people from other chapters coming up to you and talking about things and just knowing where Mammoth is and how important it is. It reminds you that it's bigger than yourself. That's Madeline Neal. She's a business and economics senior from Charleston, Illinois, and she is president this year of the Mammoth Alpha chapter of Kappa Kappa Gamma. You can follow the Alpha Chapter on Twitter at KKG Alpha. You're listening to the Monmouth College 1853 podcast, and I'm Dwayne Bonifer in the Monmouth College Office of Communications and Marketing. One group of Monmouth students who are glad to miss this week's homecoming activities are members of the Monmouth women's soccer team. Monmouth finished the regular season 11-7 overall and in fourth place in the Midwest Conference with a 6-3 conference record. Monmouth will play St. Norbert, who won the regular season title, at 2 o'clock on Friday afternoon. The Midwest Conference Championship will be played at 6 o'clock Saturday evening for a berth in the NCAA tournament. Monmouth women's soccer coach Nick Rizzo says that his very young team has matured much faster than he anticipated when practice got underway back in August. I think it was probably a year ahead of what I was expecting. Like when you, as a coach, you kind of always have a game plan of when certain things should happen, when you should win X amount of games, when you should probably make the conference tournament and coming in with knowing that we were going to be starting as young a group as we were, it was just kind of if we were going to do it this year, it was probably maybe a year before and what I was expecting. And I could not be more excited to bring this group there and get this experience so young because now they'll have it as freshmen and sophomores and it'll be kind of a good experience to get going into the next few years. And Nick says that the big reason the Fighting Scots reached the postseason this year is because of team chemistry. I think that going into every single year when you see incoming freshmen play in high school and you see them play in club you have an idea of what they can do on the college soccer field but until they show up until they're put into those situations until they have to run against 22 year olds as opposed to 17 year olds you don't know quite how they're going to adapt and the way our group adapted was faster than I could have possibly imagined we have freshmen that will probably be getting all conference this year and so it's they just came in mentally and physically ready to go and we're just what I thought they could be, but definitely exceeded those expectations a little bit. Hey, I think one of the biggest compliments I get from people outside of our team is when they come in and they get to interact with our team, that we're just a nice group, that you, no matter who you talk to, they're a person that you trust, they're a person that you want to be around. And I mean, there's personalities all across the spectrum. We have our girls like Devin, who are the snarkiest, like sassiest girls in the world. And then we have our girls like Aspen and Casey, who you probably can't get two words out of. And everyone falls in between those two. And it's just, it's fun because everyone's a little bit different everyone comes from a little bit different background with Arizona Colorado different things like that but they all come together and they found a home at Monmouth and it's been super special Monmouth has outscored its opponents this season by a combined score of 47 to 22 now that's included three shutouts 
Nick says that a balanced offensive attack and a solid back line have made for a winning combination for the Fighting Scots. I mean, especially with the group that we've been starting, we either start um, a freshman goalie and four freshman backs or a freshman goalie and three freshman backs and a sophomore back. So it's been young and they just... The best thing about them is they compete. They don't like when people score on them, and they compete really well. And offensively, I, I, we kind of knew going into this year, returning KJ, returning Mac, JC, um, that we were going to have some options going forward. And Hannah Kugler coming in as a freshman, getting eight goals right away is another big part of that. And so, I mean, we're we're not a super fun team to defend, I don't think. I don't think anyone's going into a game against us where they're excited about what they're running up against. St. Norbert beat Monmouth 2-1 to back on September 24. But that was in a match that did not feature Mama's top scorer, freshman K.J. Gordon. And we've seen Norbert. They beat us 2-1 to one at our place early in the year. Um, our, our top scorer was out that game, K.J. And so I think going into this game, we get to throw that back in, into the mix. And I think I, I, I'm sure they are, aren't uh, super excited about the draw. But again, they're the number one seed. They're the team that we have to go out and beat because they've proven all year that they can compete with anyone and play with anyone, and it's going to be our turn to hopefully go out there and give them a run and really make them work for it. That's Monmouth women's soccer coach Nick Rizzo. His Fighting Scots open postseason play in the Midwest Conference Tournament at St. Norbert College at 2 o'clock this Friday afternoon against the Green Knights. You can follow Coach Rizzo on Twitter at Coach N. Rizzo. You can follow Monmouth women's soccer on Twitter at Scots W. Soccer. And don't forget that you can follow Monmouth College Athletics on Twitter at MC Fighting Scots. To keep up with all things Fighting Scots related, including this weekend's big women's soccer games, don't forget to check in early and often to the Monmouth College Athletics website. And that address is monmouthscots.com. This is also the time in the podcast in which we remind you of the plethora of ways in which you can follow Monmouth College throughout the social media spectrum. The college's main Facebook page is facebook.com slash Monmouth College. The college's main Twitter account is at Monmouth, and the college is on Instagram at Monmouth College. If you're on Snapchat, be sure to follow Monmouth on Snapchat, and that account is This Is Monmouth. Also, don't forget to check out Monmouth on Spotify. Social and digital media manager Emily Renwick has put together a special playlist for homecoming, and so you want to check that out on Spotify. listening to the Monmouth College 1853 podcast and I'm your host Dwayne Bonifer in the Monmouth College Office of Communications and Marketing. Monmouth College's seventh annual moot court competition was held last month. A total of 13 Monmouth students participated in the competition. The preliminary round was held on October 7 in the Center for Science and Business and from there four students advanced to the final round which was held on October 9 in the Morgan Room Polling Hall. Before a three-judge panel, the students argued the topic, is it unconstitutional to require voters to show a photo identification card in order to be able to vote? Monmouth sophomore Hadley Smith-Heisler was named top advocate. That should give the sophomore a boost of confidence as she works toward attending law school after she graduates from Monmouth. She's from Valley City, North Dakota, and she argued that a voter ID law is unconstitutional. Hadley said that participating in moot court competition helped confirm her career aspirations. I learned everything. I thought that, or I had thought that I wanted to go to law school. I honestly had no idea what law school would be like, what being in a courtroom would be like, and so I basically just figured out everything. 
Hadley said she also learned a lot of other valuable lessons while preparing for and competing in moot court. Uh, I was surprised by how stressful it was to um, kind of learn everything as you're going. Uh, you have to do a lot of learning by yourself, uh, how to organize the argument, how to uh, properly uh, you know, say, may it please the court, that sort of a thing. Uh, but it was actually, it was really enjoyable. Oh, absolutely, after the first round uh, on Saturday, the first, first round, I definitely learned a lot of the things that I had done wrong, a lot of things that I had missed and things I hadn't considered. So it was cool uh, in this final round getting able to kind of, uh, being able to address that uh, and sort of improve my argument. Hadley said that participating in moot court helped her also appreciate the many arguments that can be made in a case. Uh, it was interesting. I think what fascinated me the most is uh, how... You can kind of see things from both sides. Uh, it was really fascinating, especially hearing the judges, since they know, you know, they know this case inside and out. They know this issue inside and out. It was really cool um, seeing how you could attack it from all ways, and that's definitely something that I'll, you know, take forward. Participating in moot court also helped Monmouth Junior Mackenzie Lafferty of Canton, Illinois, decide to pursue a career in law. Lafferty was named the top advocate in 2015, and she also advanced to the final round in 2016. She said that this year's moot court topic might have helped her discover a topic that she can pursue in greater depth at Monmouth. I actually am very interested in voter ID laws, and so I thought it was really fascinating. It's one of the topics I'm considering for senior research next year. Um, so I was really excited. I thought it was really different than the last two years because we did um, some cyber stalking issues and then issues of religion, and I thought it was definitely something um, a little bit more that I had knowledge on. Freshman Joe Doner competed in moot court for the first time. Joe, who is from Arlington Heights, Illinois, also wants to be a lawyer after he graduates from Monmouth. He said that although he didn't agree with the position he argued in the finals in favor of a voter ID law, he learned a lot about the position that he holds personally. Uh, yeah, I'm fairly familiar with uh, constitutional rights and voting rights and such like that. Um, I had a really hard time arguing for the side that I didn't personally believe in but uh, it was interesting to learn more about kind of the thought process behind implementing uh, voter ID laws and such like that. Again, it taught me like the thought process and kind of the, um, the argument behind it. Because, you know, from my point of view before this, I thought there really isn't a good reason, but there are a couple of, you know, decent reasons for implementing laws like this. There are probably just better ways of doing it than is, as was uh, suggested in this case particularly. For finalist Samuel Grigoriev, Participating in moot court was a way to learn more about the U.S. legal system. Samuel is studying this fall at Monmouth before heading back home to Pernik, Bulgaria. Actually, it was strange to me that there is an option for voting without ID, because in Bulgaria there is no person above 18 years old that doesn't possess an ID. It's something mandatory. And it was strange to me that there is this debate actually here whether it should be included as a requirement for voting or not. And yeah, that was very cu curious for me to find out. And those are the four finalists in the seventh annual moot court competition. It was held last month at Monmouth. You can read more about the competition in the news section of the Monmouth College website. And that address is monmouthcollege.edu news. Looking ahead to next week's 1853 podcast, we'll hear from some of this year's homecoming honorees. Theater professor Ron Zank will give us a preview of Saving Toyland, which will run November 16 through the 19th at the Wells Theater. 
And we'll also check in over at the Huff Athletic Center to see what's happening in Monmouth College Athletics. And that's going to be a 30 for this 10th edition of Monmouth College's 1853 podcast. I hope you've enjoyed the program. Tell us what you think by firing off an email to us at news at monmouthcollege.edu. Be sure to put podcast in the subject line. Until our next edition, this is Dwayne Bonifer in the Monmouth College Office of Communications and Marketing. Thanks so much for listening. So long, everybody, and have a nice day.